Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV. And I'm Zach, and tonight's a little different. We're going to go solo. Uh, my brother had a scheduling conflict and couldn't make it, and we're already almost a week behind, so we're going to go ahead and start a new show, uh, The Bastard Executioner. Um, I decided to do this show because I've always been a huge Kurt Suter fan. I think he's got his own niche and his own style and kind of his own attitude in TV. And uh, I think The Shield and uh, is one of the best shows ever created. And Sons of Anarchy is another one of my favorites. Not the same caliber, but definitely one of the ones I really enjoyed. And and so I've told myself I better give this a, at least a shot. And uh, so I chose to try to do this first season or as long as it'll let me. Um, but the uh, pilot episode by Kurt was uh, was unique, is the way I'd like to put it. Um, the if I had to give it a star rating, uh, you know, out of ten, uh, as much as I hate to say it, you know, it hangs around a low six or maybe a hair below. Um, it just has some elements going against it that um, just doesn't fit into the whole Kurt Suter uh, repertoire or resume. Every time I turn the show on and I see Suter, I want to see, uh, I want to hear motorcycles kind of rev up, and I want to see Charlton Hunnan, or I want to see uh, Michael Chiklis or something. So it's going to take me a little while, maybe like an acquired taste, but I'm hoping it works its way into it. Um, but you know, the show itself, just to talk about it, the uh, it kind of had a, a, a violent opening, you know, that uh, is kind of what I expected. You know, that he's going to try to do something to kind of catch an eye or. Uh, you know, get something to sink your teeth in, because I think, believe it or not, Suter's one of his appeals in my mind is is that uh, he's not afraid to blur the lines and try to go past what's normally acceptable for TV, and uh, he usually does it pretty well. Um, and this show is no different, and he uh, definitely tries to go after those things. The uh, as I said, it started out with the you know the you know William Longshanks army and. Our main character, uh, Lee Jones, uh, you know, fighting the good fight, and if you want to call it the good fight, he uh, ends up being the last one and then suddenly gets stabbed, and then you don't really know if it's what really happened or if it's a dream or whatever, but later on, you know, he shows the wound like, you know, this is what happened to him. So it was a little confusing in the beginning, um, but I guess that's what they were trying to set you up to, you know, dream world, not dream world, what is, what isn't. Um, you know, and then it led to kind of that little scene with the, the dragon uh, or whatever coming out and him waking up. So the opening didn't really do it a whole lot for me. You know, um, it just the CGI effect on the dragon and the, you know, the general uh, acting and going back and forth, waking up, this, it just it seemed a little confusing. It was just a little off. Um, I think I know what he's trying to go for, show that there's a little mystical, uh, something supernatural. Uh, I just, you, you just don't know. Um, so, uh, and then of course the white-haired child and uh, just seemed really kind of corny to me, but, uh, you know, hopefully it materializes something a little better. Um, you know, uh, and then you kind of got the opening to the actual show, the true intro to the show, um, which really, really surprised me. Um, the music was soft tone, it was um, mellow, and I guess it was trying to do more of a visual frighten or terror, because all it did was show you different elements of torture and tidbits of blood, and, and I understand the show is called The Bastard Executioner, and these are tools of the trade. Um, it just didn't seem like the music and the visuals of the intro of the show matched. Um, 
and it was a it was a letdown for me. Uh, I don't know about you as a viewer, but it just it didn't seem like it was the rhyme or reason when you ha when you call something the bastard executioner. Um, so it was like I said, just a tad disappointing. Um, you know, it goes to the whole situation of you meet him where he is now. Um, uh, he's in his village. He's got him a pregnant wife. Um, and one thing I did notice is, is that a lot of the set pieces look pretty good. You know, I, thought, I like some of the detail. One thing that really stood out to me is, is that, you know, they, they went the extra mile, uh, you know, with the, the browning of the teeth and the, the stressing of the clothing and um, the filth and the dirt and, you know, the, the time pieces. It, it looked really good. Um, you know, the dialogue was a little, uh, um, some of the acting was a little, uh, but the you know it started off strong with the details um, when it comes to those things, uh, so that that was that was a good way to go. Um, you know you meet you know the Baron and you know <laughs> of course typical suitor style. You know he's uh, he he's in a sexual position with his uh, his Baroness or his wife and uh, you know finishes off and you can tell she's not really into it and. And then complains about how it's another wasted uh, seed, you know, and uh, just, uh, just a sorry piece of crap, man. <laughs> Why I was there, I was just like, really? They, I mean, that's not what you tell the missus after, you know, she's offered. And uh, But, you know, I guess that's of the time, and I guess if you're the Baron, you, you know, you got that authority. Um, then you you know they does this little repertoire where you go around and around you meet different characters you meet some of the supporting you know actors of his village and um, you know what their motivations are at the time and the show does this little script you know it tells you where it is you know and the time and different things like that I I, I kind of appreciate it but I can't remember a single one of those descriptions now I mean I know most of them ended in Shire. Um, you know, but it didn't didn't carry a prevalence or an importance. It didn't seem like it was important, um, and so you know, I'm hoping that materializes. Like I said, there's a lot of hopes going on with the show. Um, then you meet his beautiful wife, old Kurt Suter, uh, Katie Seagal, uh, and I still don't know what to think about this hair and what she is supposed to be, um, a healer, a mystic, a witch, all the above. Uh, it was a very, God, I hate to say that she just looks like she was found a position in the show for her to be in it for Suter. Um, and I feel like it's a forced position, and I, I just, I don't know, it d doesn't feel right, considering there's not a single actor that I can see or find um, in the show so far that is, a, you know, a transplant from some of his older shows, other than his wife, and that, that was kind of disappointing. I was expecting to see maybe somebody from Sons of Anarchy or somebody from The Shield that, um, you know, joined this cast to give you a familiar face and something relative, and, uh, it, you know, it didn't produce. I'm hoping later it does, but no. Uh, so far, that was a big lesson. So it's just nothing but new faces except for Katie Seagal. Um, that I'm not typical or used to or not common. I mean, I know it was a guy from True Blood, um, but uh, that really surprised me. The The cinematography for the show um, 
was different. There were several scenes where it had really good sweeping shots. There were several scenes where, you know, it was looking at it through different objects and different things were kind of cool. But then you had other scenes where the camera was just walking around and it was jumpy. Like somebody was literally holding it in their hand like a hand cam um, to try to get close-ups of people. And they were too close. It showed the imperfections of the makeup, imperfections of their details. Um, and so it was inconsistent at best is what I would describe cinematography-wise. Um, the dialogue and the writing, I just don't know if it's poor acting, poor writing, a mixture of both, or it's just that my taste for the verbiage and the language, you know, and the, the, the proper way things are said at the time is just tough to swallow. Um, I think it's really, really difficult um, to try to get to get that acceptance and that, that love for it when, you know, it's very proper. And uh, especially coming from someone you don't know if you have any background or relatability to any other acting jobs they've done to know if it looks good. Now, I will say the Baron, he looked he looked apart as well as he spoke the part and it came off well and in my mind probably did the best portraying it. Um, but uh, as the rest of them, including the lead actor, it was just, I don't know, some of it seemed for, some of it seemed very weak. Um, and I'm hoping it gets better. Uh, that's one thing I can definitely say. Um, now, the entire episode, one thing that I will say I really, really enjoyed, well, of course, was the gratuitous violence, the, the uh, blood splattering, the over-the-top sword play, and death and gore and violence. You know, I'm always a sucker, and Kurt Suter never you know, lets me down on those things. Um, we had several scenes this entire episode, starting with the, you know, the severed hooded bandits in the Robin Hood attack scene uh, on the tax collector, and... Uh, you know, the arrows in the throat and uh, the beatings and the sword play, and all great. And, of course, they, the one, you know, sheep herder guy that gets left behind and gets seen. And miraculously, because of the color and sheen of his pelt is what leads the Baron and his group back to this village based on this one little tidbit of information and uh, basically annihilates this entire village um, you know, and that whole little scene there where he shows up at night and, you know, and he's wanting answers and he realizes these people are hiding something, they don't have their men, and it's that obvious. You know, I, I just, the anticipation or the fear of that they were going to cut that child's throat or hurt someone, you know, it kind of felt like it was expected, and if it didn't happen, the scene was wasted. And so... That was kind of different, you know, that sitting there going, okay, you better do this, otherwise this scene doesn't carry any weight. And that's not typical, you know. You want to feel the opposite of, oh gosh, don't do that, da 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 and then the heart, gut, heart wrenching or whatever, and that's not the case. Um, uh, so that was kind of a sign for me that, you know, my expectations for the show are not where they need to be. And, you know, you ever try to go into it with an unbiased mind, and it just, sometimes it doesn't work. And, um, and uh, that concerns me. So, I, I mean, I'm really, really wondering, you know, if we're going to be able to tolerate this whole season, or is he really going to try to change the direction where the mystery and the drama and the intrigue overwhelm the, you know, the period and the time and the proper way of speaking and so on. So, that part I am looking forward to. Um... You know the the wife getting getting away and the necklace and um, 
it was kind of, you know, all right, good, there's a hope. You know, typically the woman's got to die. You know, you have to have that outrage. And this at this point of the show, I was kind of like, you know, this is something different. Because how many times have we played the whole song and dance of the man's gone, everybody gets killed, and it's a, it's a revenge story. Okay? We've watched Braveheart. This was not Braveheart. Okay? Even though it's very similar when it comes to the you know the basic plot point and style of the show um but you know this is not william wallace and this is not Mel gibson and this is not the quality unfortunately um and so when the when the wife was getting away and the soldier let her go i was kind of like all right now we have a change this is something new this is something fresh this is kurt Suter. And not five minutes later, somebody in a blade that has some kind of red diamonds or some kind of crap stabs her in the belly, killing her, and leaves a mark on her head, and then decides to take her body and put it on top of the pile, you know, that is not related to the soldiers or the baron or the tax collector. And it's like one second I'm excited that this is going to be different and fresh and unique, and then not five minutes later it's a complete... Up oh, there we go. Same old story again. And, you know, of course, Lee Jones' character comes back down and sees the village. And, and this led to another part that was very difficult for me to follow. Um, you know, if I'm seeing my wife with her belly open and a child and bodies of all your loved ones there, you know, they just didn't seem like the level of mental destruction or anguish or... Uh, you know, just complete devastation were ever expressed to the level that I would imagine for someone who would walk up and see their family, their life, everything destroyed and piled up in front of you, brutally murdered. Um, I just it didn't it didn't look it didn't convey the message of how serious that was and how devastating and so on you know and they immediately went to okay i'm angry to okay let's mount a horse and let's go to revenge and you know the tears were gone the the anger was not there it just i don't know that needed to be redone it just didn't carry that weight um as so many other stories have done this storyline and you just felt that agony and you felt that depression you felt that just absolute crushing that the world is over around you because of what you're witnessing and this scene just didn't deliver it and that was a big letdown um, because I think there was an opportunity there to make up for some lost ground in the episode and it just didn't work um, you know the case of Gal Carrier, the healer she stops him and tells him you know hey there's a destiny you're supposed to fulfill you know you, you don't have to go alone that's certain death you have a fate to follow and they don't and the word gets back to the Baron um, he decides to dispatch another legion of men to go and take these uh, hooded men down and end this 100% and uh, which was uh, a cool deal and then we were gonna get to a cool fight scene and then you get out into the field um, and it just another situation where it seemed convenient that the Baron showed up with his garrison of men and, and very cocky, very you know, like here I am into a field with seven men standing there, and it just you know you want the element of surprise, you want the element of who's all of a sudden on the wrong end of the stick and. Um, it was another, you know, another example where it just didn't seem like it led up to a point that there was any intrigue or any possibility. Um, 
you know, that there was any proper planning, or was it to convey that he was just cocky and based on his skill and the amount of men he had, that he would be able to walk in there and trounce any amount of men? Um, so I, I, I don't know, because the guys coming out of the wheat fields and surrounding them, you know, it was cool and it gave you the edge and the effect, um, but did it really run home, you know, the whole, you know, this is going to be epic? Um, and to a point it did um it was really cool to see the actor from the americans in a beard and long hair uh you know and i thought that was neat that he he joined in and was a part of that um however i thought his acting and the dialogue they gave him later was atrocious and so it's just as much as i'm excited to see him in there and get a familiar face uh from another show that i really enjoy you know they don't do him really good justice with uh, his hair makeup and his dialogue so uh, i'm still kind of curious about that and so it's gonna be interesting so the baron gets to the same fight scene you know a couple of the you know hooded uh brethren of lee jones die in this battle um and it's kind of strange because like there's two brothers you know one that you know the fat dwarf or and then a skinny little younger brother and the dwarf the, the heavy set fellow that was one of the seven uh watches his brother take an axe to the chest uh, brutally and has almost zero reaction yes you could say shock yes you could say he's just can't believe what he's seeing um, but in the heat of battle, then he then he's the first to go. You know, he's you know, after you see that you're standing there stalemated and on you know not making any motion like that. That's when somebody comes by and just you know finishes you, you know takes legs out from under you, stabs you, takes you out, whatever. Uh, instead, he just lifts his eyes up and is watching battle. You know, he he bought him a ticket. Only thing missing was popcorn and a drink. So it's uh, another you know situation where it just makes me scratch my head a little bit. Um, and then, of course, you have the father, and he goes after the Baron and loses horribly and dies, and um, which was a cool little fight scene. I liked the weapon he had, um, and it was kind of sad to see him go, but it was also a necessary evil. And then it basically goes down to just like in the very beginning of the show, you know, where Lee Jones' character was the last one and gets stabbed, and then the Baron's the last one, and they go into this, what seems to be a pretty good choreographed fight you know the ding ding swords hitting like that and the baron's holding his own and punching and kneeing and um it showed his skill and that he wasn't a chump and i appreciated that and i, I think that was necessary um and even so much so that uh he almost got the best of him and then at the very moment when he thought he was going to go ahead and finish him off the baron was able to slip a weapon and stab him in the kidney or you know the side and um, before another one of the hooded guys had to stab him right through the top of the skull, which, by the way, was a really cool death scene to see the knife go to the top and come out of his mouth, and you even saw the lips cut and separate right there. I thought that was a really cool detail. You can definitely see that. You can definitely see in the show the spots that they really went the extra mile for the detail, um, the quality, and different things. And then you see the other part where it was fluff. Um, and for our two hours of TV, you don't need fluff, especially when it's the opening pilot. Um, this needed to be a little bit of groundbreaking, really set the tone, let you sink your teeth into these characters and understand who they are um, so that you have that connection and you, you have that, that devastation when they're gone. 
um, it wasn't shortly after um, you know this situation they bring the Baron back and the executioner and the whole little subplot you this is at an hour and 40 minutes into the show you realize that the storyline now is for his fate to assume the executioner um, demise as someone else um, which of course the executioner bit it bad they got a wooden stick to the throat uh, that, that wasn't a good situation but um, you know they put the cross on his cheek um, and they cut his hair and they make him become him and his marshal and they go into town with the body um, and another scene that you know they deliver the body and he talks about his skill set and what he is and what he does and the little brother comes in there and calling him a liar and one of the thieves and uh, it sets up a good moment of tension you don't know how this is going to go you don't know where it's going to lead how is Suter going to handle this situation and you know, but the little part of you is like, well, wait a minute. The name of the show is Bastard Executioner. This guy's claiming he's the executioner, but this little brother is saying, no, he's one of the thieves. Like the, it really can't go any other way than him staying the executioner, or the show really is not going where it needed to be. So it kind of lets you know how this was going to end up. Somebody was going to be called a liar, and it wasn't going to have a positive ending. Um, and the brother failed horribly. Um, you basically, you know, the the wife and the child pretended that this was his husband, and and it was a cool little moment where he was like almost to tears and holding and the hugging and the kissing all that stuff. It was, uh, it was, it seemed pretty good genuine there, and it creates the whole brother's a piece of crap, liar or a traitor, or, and uh, he has to be uh, become the the executioner's first victim. Um, so I did like that part. I thought that it was really cool how to twist that end that, you know, the same person you're calling the the thief, the liar, and the, the backstabber, and the, the one that did all this to the Baron is the one who ends up killing you as a public forum. Um, I thought that was really, really neat. And so that was a good way to wrap the show. Um, some of the little details that were curious is that right before, you know, the seeing the the white-haired child or, you know, during the show was kind of, eh. but then, of course, him seeing his wife holding a baby and having the glow and him following over there right in the middle of the execution seems so strange. You know, people were just standing there and just nobody was looking at it going, what's he doing? What, where is he going? Nothing of that nature. And, you know, he reaches out and they just start giving him, you know, towels or pieces of fabric talking about how, you know, you might crap all over him and stuff. And I guess this was supposed to be a funny moment, but it just seemed like it was so out of left field. You know, because nobody seemed like he was out of sorts or staring into space or so at someone else that was mistaken. Um, so I really didn't get that part. Um, uh, it just it just didn't it didn't didn't quench the thirst in that situation. Um, so again, he goes up there, and before he does, he sees his wife necklace on the soldier's neck, and you know it immediately gives you the clue that he thinks that okay, this is the soldier that killed his wife. It was one of the one of the group, and so it gives you that motivation of what he's going to be doing for the rest of this show as well as for the future. And he gets up there, takes his big sword, whips it on around, takes the head clean off, um, which was another cool scene. I, I did appreciate it, um, even though I'm still not real sure about the thickness of that blade just going clean through the head, you know, neck, and without even a budge, and just sliding off. Uh, I think that thing would fly off like a softball on a tee, you know. Um, so that was a little, but you know, hey, it had good effect. It was a cool little scene and down goes the head, you know, so, um, other little key moments in the show, you know, of course, you find out the uh, advisor to the Baron, you know, uh, likes boys, um, you find out that, you know, uh, 
the the same advisor knows knows who the executioner really is, but has to use him as a tool in the situation. You know, so there's going to be that internal conflict. Of, I know who you are, and you know who I am, and that kind of situation. Uh, the Baroness is uh, going, you know, is going to be in charge, and you don't know which way that's going to go. And well, I take that. I have a mistake. The preacher, um, Old Murphy, um, is a familiar character for the the Kurt Suter era. He was uh, one of the bad guys on Sons of Anarchy, um, and uh, a fantastic actor. Uh, he was also just starred in True Detective 2, which we potted on. Um, he was also one of the big bad guys there, uh, Ossip in that show. So uh, seeing him here is good. Uh, unfortunately, he just does not look like a preacher, father, a man of God, a cloth. Uh, and his lines and dialogue just kind of seem like they don't quite line up with the physical appearance and the, you know, the makeup of this guy. And so I think that was kind of a misfire. I mean, he would almost be the perfect Baron, you know, but you don't want to lose this character. So. I'm really curious to see what's going to happen there. I'm hoping there's some dark history or, um, you know, like maybe he's a spy or something of that nature where he does have a rough background and it can continue back towards it or becomes a mediator. Um, but there are a lot, there are a lot of tones to this show that seem like they're trying to copy or mimic Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, the error, the history, the swordplay, um, you know, the, the backstabbing, the, uh, the homosexuality, the gratuitous, you know, uh, sex scenes, the, uh, the violence, the, you know, the betrayal. I mean, a lot of different little elements and even like like saying the dragon and some other little mystical stuff that you see in hints of Game of Thrones, but this is nowhere on the same caliber. It's nowhere in the same direction, and it's almost a shame they even tried to go that way. Um, and you know, I'm really, really, really nervous about this as a whole. I really hope that the show really kind of gets into a defined direction. You know, there at the end when you have you know, Suter and his hood comes off and you see this big old giant melon head of his and an all deformed face or if he's a leopard or I don't know what he is. And of course you see the knife that stabbed us with, you know, the Lee Jones's wife and in the background and you see the you know, Seagal come out there naked and with all these tattoos all over. It just, um, they are an unnecessary part of this show. I'm just, from from first glance, first pilot show, it seems like this is trying to bring in another element that is just not pulling off. Um, I'm really, 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 really concerned um, where it's going to go with this and if it's going to be able to achieve what they're trying to go for. Um, if I had to predict where the show is right now, that this is going to be a one season and done, uh, unless Suter really pulls out some all the stops and brings some more familiar faces that brings in some appeal. But if I had to guess based on the pilot and the ratings that we're seeing on TV and from other critics and so on, this is going to be a tough year um, for the Bastard Executioner. But I'm not going to give up on it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a dedicated fan to Suter, and so maybe he won't disappoint. 
but other than that, guys, like I said, it's just me tonight, and I know I hope I, and I hope I didn't sound like I was just rambling you to death, but I felt like uh, I should have gave you something for this, and uh, you can always reach us at uh, bleedtvpodcast at gmail.com, uh, at bleedtvpodcast on Twitter. We also have a Facebook page. Tell me what you thought about the show. Uh, are, you, are you as critical of it as I am? Do you see it having a future? Did Suter miss the mark, or did he do good? Is there things I was completely wrong on, and you thought were really good? Um, or vice versa. Um, I'd love to hear what you got, what you thought, and uh, converse with you and add you to the next show. But um, like I said, today is Monday, and then the new episode comes out tomorrow, so I will try to get on a new pod for it and even try to get my brother in on it. But other than that, guys, I'm going to go ahead and call tonight. And uh, thank you all for listening. And you can always subscribe or uh, on any of them. We're on podcasts. Um, we're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. All these places. Uh, and any positive reviews you can send our way, we'd greatly appreciate it. But other than that, see you all next time.